open your Bibles again, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'm preaching tonight on the subject, the most important teacher your children will ever have. The most important teacher your children will ever have. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word tonight. Lord, it is so important, not only as we hear here in this auditorium, but Lord, as the message is heard by way of radio and television and across uh, the internet, I pray that you would bless it and use it. Uh, Lord, the truth is a very important truth in the day and the time in which we live. I ask for your power. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, uh, control my mind and thinking in words as I preach. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The children of Israel are in the wilderness. They are coming close to the land of Canaan, but they are yet in the wilderness. And Moses is given the task of writing this book of Deuteronomy. And it is somewhat of the constitution of the nation of Israel. And he tells them, these people who have left Egypt, who are in the wilderness, that they will soon be in the land of Canaan. And he tells them of the importance, in fact, not just in this chapter, but he repeats again and again and again the importance of parents teaching their children. Not an idea, not a suggestion, but it is a responsibility, it is a command that they would teach their children and what they would teach them. One of the many changes of our culture of this year has been the education of children in America. Public schools have basically been closed in most places in most states since March of this year. Uh, most uh, closed in March, and only a few have been open any length of time uh, since then. Our Christian school was able to return in August and to complete the semester, and I'm uh, thankful for that and look forward to the return of school in the next semester on a week from Monday. I've heard many comments by elected officials, mostly uh, governors that have been speaking and addressing their states during the virus, and uh, since March, some of them making daily statements and some of them weekly statements. And uh, their statements about education have revealed to us their thoughts, uh, their philosophy about uh, children and uh, their education. Uh, for example, I've heard governors make this statement. We as parents are not trained teachers and as a result, our children are suffering. Uh, and, uh, and just gives you a glimpse or an idea of uh, their thoughts or their philosophy about education. I heard this statement. We do the best we can teaching our children since we are not teachers. Uh, this statement, children need to be in school. They're suffering as a result of schools being closed. I heard this statement, our economy is suffering as a result of parents having to keep their children and not being able to work their jobs. 
How many of you heard something like that statement right there? Economy is suffering because poor old parents are having to raise their kids. Some have said we have to get our children back in school so we can get our economy going again. All of these statements have been concerning because you and I have a biblical mandate. We have a biblical responsibility in the rearing and the training and the teaching of our children. Now, there are teachers that are important, and I'll come to that, and I'm not belittling the teacher. I'm talking about the philosophy that the government has in regards to education. There are many teachers in the Bible. There are many schools in the Bible. Folks didn't keep their children home all of the time. They learned different trades, and I'll get to that in that part of the message But these statements have been concerning because they have revealed what seems to be the philosophy or the mindset of government toward you and I uh, that have and are raising children. Uh, You would get the idea that they think the education of our children belongs to the government. You ever get that idea that, that, that that's not any of our business, that that's their, their responsibility? You get the idea that the government knows what's best for our children or the government knows more about teaching our children and what to teach the children than we do. Or what about this? It's our responsibility to work so we can earn money, so we can pay taxes to the government, And they decide how much. So they can decide where to build the schools. They can decide who to hire. And they can decide what curriculum the teachers teach that they hire. It's my responsibility just to work, make money, and pay taxes. And let them teach the children what they want to teach them rather than what my responsibility as a Christian father and mother to teach our children. Now, folks, we can't allow today's culture to keep us from biblical responsibility. Throughout the Bible, you find a conflict. You find a conflict of the Christian philosophy and manner of life and that of the world. One of the difficulties we face is the fact that our nation was founded on the principles of the Word of God. And so our history recognizes, and I'll, I'll say this again, uh, but, but it recognizes the importance of Christians and uh, the, the, the Bible and education. That's our founding. Uh, that's our foundation. And we've come so far from that. Uh, we are now concerned about where we are as far as education are concerned. May I say that the ideas of the current government are con- Contrary to that of the Word of God. This idea of teachers forming unions and them deciding what is in our curriculum, what is in their curriculum, what they teach our children. And I contend that there's many things being taught that is not the responsibility of anybody to teach other than the mom and dad. Don't misunderstand me of the word of God. And I say again, I believe in teachers. I love and respect our school teachers. And I'm not not saying that in compromise. I'm saying that in balance of the scripture and the teachers that are mentioned in the Bible. 
And I'm thankful for our teachers that are here of all kinds, of Sunday school teachers, of Christian school teachers, of public school uh, teachers that have not compromised what they believe uh, or what they teach in the classroom. And I'm thankful uh, uh, for that. The philosophy that thinks that children belongs to the state and that it's our responsibility to pay them to train and teach our children what they want is against the word of God and quite frankly I believe that it is a ridiculous philosophy. May I say that children are an heritage of the Lord. God has given to us our children and heritage means that they are responsibility. And as we understand the scripture, our children do not belong to us. They're given to us to teach and to train, but they belong to God. And it's our responsibility to help them know and to do the will of God for their life. We're not raising our children for us. We're raising our children to be pleasing to the Heavenly Father and to do His will. Whatever vocation that may be, whatever area of service or whatever area of work that it may be in there, multiple types of living that are listed in the Word of God. Children are given to their parents with the distinct responsibilities of teaching and training them in the paths of truths and the paths of right. Parents will give an account for the rearing and the teaching and the training of their children. Sadly, many parents, and I did come to preach tonight, I hope that you expected that, uh, many parents are looking for even a Christian school uh, that would babysit or raise or educate their children uh, so they can go on being children themselves, living life, playing games, rather than accepting the adulthood and the responsibility that goes with having children, and that is to teach them and train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Our world has gone so far, they don't want children. They work to pass laws so they can just take their life when they're born. If it's not the sex they want, if it's not the look they want, if it's not what they desire. And how sad it is to so ignore the will of God for our lives and taking our children and the responsibility of teaching them and loving them as God would have us to love them. Go back, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and notice in verse number 6 where he said, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Not just in your head, but these are the words that would be in their heart. And then he says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them. Notice this, when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up, we're supposed to be teaching. This is not to a school. This is not to a government. This is not to a local union of people. This is to the individual father and mother together to talk of these good and wonderful things. By the way, the will of God is not something to keep you from enjoying life. The will of God is where the joy and happiness of life is found. Being in the center of His will and knowing the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit and living 
living your life in such a way in His will that you can walk with Him and serve Him and know the joy and gladness of that fellowship with the Father. He said in verse number 8, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house. It doesn't say the school. I'm not against schools. Don't misunderstand me, but education, we must understand, begins in the house. And the responsibility of education begins in the home, in thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be in verse number 10 that the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, uh, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. Now I want you to notice verse number 12. He said, then, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. Now we're going to forget unless somebody is teaching. Peter said in 2 Peter, he said, I want to remind you of these truths again and again and again. I'm not looking for something new to give you, but I remind you of these truths. And I would so remind you that when I'm in heaven, when you think of me, you would think of these truths and thank God for a godly father and a mother that will teach their children the same things over and over and over again until they're ingrained in their mind and ingrained in their hearts that they would have a life of decency and a life of fear and respect for the almighty God. He said, I want you to beware lest you forget these things. He said, if you, get, if you forget these things, you're going to lose the blessings of the Lord. Now, the book of Deuteronomy was essentially, as I've mentioned, the constitution for the nation of Israel. Moses was commissioned to write this book in his old age before the children of Israel received their inheritance in the land of Canaan. If you looked in Deuteronomy chapter 11, and I'm not going to read all of these verses for sake of time tonight, but if you looked at chapter 11 and verses 1, 2, and 3, you would find the category of things, the categories of things that they were supposed to teach their children. And I'll just mention it to you. The law was to be their guide. Uh, the law, the word of God is to be our guide. We must understand that we need to teach our children that the Bible is not the writings of a man about God, but the word of God is God's word. The Bible is God's word, and it is a final authority, and it does not matter what a majority of a group of people may say or pass in a law. What God has said is right is right and what God says is wrong is wrong and if we don't teach our children to have a faith and a firm foundation and a final authority of the word of God we're going to have children that are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and every thought that comes along and they're going to live a life of fear rather than a life of faith and may I say this is not the only time of question or confusion in the year 2020 but when you look through history, there have been many times of challenges. There have been many times of disaster and difficulty. As I read a list of those uh, that faced in the first 75 years from 1900 uh, to 1975, uh, from World War I all the way through uh, the Vietnam War and the number of people that died. And yet, dear friend, those who found uh, that the Word of God was the final authority for all matters, those were people who had faith. And they survived difficulty. 
because they weren't driven by fear of things and circumstances. They were driven by faith in the word of God. The Bible and the law was their guide. Not only was it their guide, it was their instruction book. It was their warning book. It was their history and they were to teach their history and you'll find from the beginning of the word of God as the history developed of the nation of Israel that it was repeated of every prophet and every preacher from the Old Testament through the New constantly reminding them it was God that brought them through the fire it was God that brought them through the flood and it's God that will lead them through the difficulties of life that they too would face in a sin cursed world it was important for them to learn their history. The book of Deuteronomy was the promise of blessing and it was the warning of cursing. Take your Bibles and go quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and you'll find the same thing if you compare Deuteronomy chapter 11 and those categories of what they were supposed to teach their children and what you and I are supposed to get from the word of God today, you'll find it to be the same. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells Timothy in verse number 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration, very simple word. If you look at the middle of that word, you'll find the word spirit. That means life. In means in. Spirit in. If we say someone expired last night, that meant the spirit of life came out of them. They died. This book right here has never expired. It's still inspired. It's still the living word of God as God has given it to us and all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, here it is, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, just the same thing that he taught them in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 7 and 9 and 11 and in many other places, it was the book of Deuteronomy that played a vital role in the founding of America and in the writing of our Constitution. It's interesting, in fact, it's obvious from a very quick search on the internet how that this truth has been so attacked. In fact, they are now scrubbing things that they say those who control various uh, parts of the internet and uh, we see it happening in Facebook and Twitter. Uh, they're now what they call censoring. Isn't it something they know what censoring is? They know what censoring is. And 20 years ago when you talked about censoring when it came to filthiness, and vulgarity, well, we don't know what you're talking about. It just seems innocent. Now, all of a sudden, they know what censoring is when it comes to truth. They know what truth is and we know what right is. And they have, they have taken historians that uh, showed uh, in, their, uh, in their research and study how the book of Deuteronomy influenced not only our founding fathers, but the very writing of the Constitution and that teaching is attacked greatly on the internet. In fact, you'll find uh, many uh, notes that are added that says that this simply is not true. Ah, uh, but if one would just take a walk through history 
and look at the monuments in the history of our nation and walk through and see, you see, as God told them uh, to do as they uh, crossed the Red Sea, uh, they put up those stones. They said, why are you doing that? Uh, For when children uh, pass by and ask why these are there, you can say, because God parted uh, the waters of the Red Sea and we walked across on dry land and those are a memorial. And dear friend, I don't have time to go through the detail, but if Christians would turn off their iPhone and turn off the internet and begin a simple search of history and look and read the monuments of the history of America, you will find the greatest influence of the Constitution and the founding of our nation in this King James Bible that we hold in our hands tonight. Our founding fathers knew well the Word of God. In fact, they said our constitution and form of government was only written for a moral people. Morality does not come by choice. It comes by a truth revealed from the Word of God. I want to stay on course this evening and not go into all of those details. And the purpose of my message tonight is to say that the parents of children are the first and most important teachers of their own children. I want to say tonight, I don't want you to feel belittled. I don't want you to feel unqualified. You're not only just qualified, you're required. You're responsible to teach your children what's right and to teach your children what's wrong and to give your children the very basic foundations of education. When you hear someone say, well, I feel sorry for you, just not trained to be a teacher. I may not be, I may not be an engineer. I may not be uh, one of the many professions. Uh, Hey, but I do know that book right there, and I do know what it takes to teach children uh, for the beginning of education. We'll come to those verses in just a few minutes. It ought to frighten us this evening. In fact, I think it would frighten us if we knew the things that are being taught in public education, not just in college, but in grade school, high school, and in the collegiate level. In fact, it shouldn't just frighten us, it ought to anger us. Away with this idea that uh, children belong to the government, belong to the state. They don't, they belong to their parents. They belong to the God of heaven that gave them to us. It ought to anger us that sex education is taught, which is nothing but the promotion of promiscuity and immorality in our schools. That's why it's taught. Sex education is not, not necessary in school. That needs to be taken care of by the parents. Homosexuality is nothing but teaching a perverted lifestyle to be accepted when it is a decision of choice. And don't, don't, don't talk to me about, well, they were born that way. Folks, we were all born sinners. You and I were born with a temper. We were born with a desire for revenge. I've had these debates, and I've had them on radio and public radio and television. If I, was, if I can do anything I was born to do, that means if I get mad at somebody, I can just smack their jaw and just say, I'm sorry I was born that way. I can't help it. <laughs> somebody runs me off the road, I just want to run them off the road. How ridiculous is it to say, well, they can't help it. They were born that way. May I tell you, 
The book of Galatians teaches me that, that, that uh, uh, there is the flesh that is fallen in sin and then we're reborn by the Spirit of God and something that needs to be taught in our homes and in our Sunday schools and needs to be taught in our churches. And there is a battle between the flesh and the Spirit and I cannot do everything that the flesh wants to do. But it must be controlled. It must be restrained. In fact, every pleasure of life God wants me to have, but He wants me to have it in in an order that is not destructive of society. You see, God, uh, uh, for every man is a woman. And that woman and man are to be married and then have children. And if I follow that order, God gives me all of those desires and all of those pleasures and they are, and they're good and they're right. But when I take them out of God's order, then I begin to hurt society and then we begin to have children that don't have the stability of a father and a mother and a home and, and that we begin to live less than what God desired and designed for humans to live. It's not right for a public education system to take our children and teach against the Word of God. It's our responsibility to teach them what's right. It ought to anger us to hear this talk of gender identity. That is absolutely ridiculous. these, These titles they give, the Reproductive Rights Protection, is nothing less than abortion and murder on demand. Well, they have a right. Their body belongs to them. Oh, listen to me, Mom. And Dad teaches your body belongs to God. And your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit lives inside that temple. Nobody is supposed to see that body. Your body is supposed to be covered in the home. Not to expose our bodies publicly. Not to expose our bodies at the home. You with me tonight? You say, Preacher, it's Christmas. I know what day it is. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to respect our body. It's a temple. It's a temple of the Holy Ghost of God that dwells within me. Body's not supposed to be exposed and advertised for sale. Or anger us that the world would say, it's your right to work and pay us taxes so that we can teach our children what we think they ought to know. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to teach them what God says is what they're supposed to know. It ought to cause us to fear. It ought to stir our anger in our heart. This idea of socialism that does nothing but attack and destroy the identity of a nation and the fiber of our nation. This last bill revealed how wicked and low our nation has gotten. We have folks with need in our nation and we're giving money multiplied millions of dollars to our enemies and to those that would destroy America, giving money to, hey folks, millions of dollars to see how many Amberjack are in the the South Pacific. Are you kidding me? What in the world? And I'll tell you, the farther we get from God, the farther we get from common sense. The farther we get from this Bible, this idea of inclusion, well, we have to include everybody. It sounds good, but its purpose is to exclude Christianity and truth. That's its purpose. Inclusion doesn't mean everyone. It means the acceptance of what God says is wrong in sin. And you know what that means. 
Sodom was destroyed because no one was willing to stand for righteousness in that city. Nobody would stand. He couldn't find ten righteous people. Nobody would stand. Everybody just said, okay. And they just closed their mouth and closed their mind and they let the wickedness go on. And God said, I'd spare it if I could find 50 righteous people or 40 or 30. If I could just find 10 people that would stand for what's right, I'd spare the city. But he couldn't find anybody to stand for what's right. And if the hope of America is for God's people to stand for right, then let's stand for right until Jesus comes or until God calls us home to glory. By the way, the Republicans haven't done any better with education than the Democrats have. It's not a matter of it's not a matter of party, and I'm a little frustrated at folks that more excited and more stirred up about politics than they are at their church. And be, and and dear friend, I don't care how many organizations of of, uh, of patriotism that you start. Patriotism begins with a faith in God and an understanding of that book. It's God that blesses this nation. It's God that took that poor group of people from the Mayflower and all the way through in the colonial period into the birthing of our nation. It was God that saw that little crowd of people that loved him and were willing to die for the word of God, willing to die for the cause of Christ. It was God that blessed that crowd of people. I'm not against patriotism. I'm for patriotism, but my patriotism is not driven by the economy. It's it's driven by my faith in the Word of God. Take your Bibles quickly, if you will, please, and turn to Psalm 110. I want to show you a few verses, and I want to read you others tonight. A fear of the Lord is the beginning of any education. A fear of the Lord is the beginning of any instruction. Why? Because God is our creator. God is our sustainer. If we don't have a fear of God, if we don't have a respect for God, we have no education at all. We have no instruction at all. Psalm 111, notice if you will in verse number 10, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do, not know, that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. Parents, it's our job to teach that to our children. It's my job. It's your job, Mom. It's your job, Dad, to teach our children the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom and good understanding. Have all they that do His commandments. Take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7. Psalm 111, the Bible said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 1, and verse number 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Beginning of knowledge. But fools despise But fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know what I'm doing tonight? I'm giving you Bible wisdom. You know what I'm doing tonight? I'm giving you Bible instruction. Fools despise what I'm doing. They'll identify themselves. They'll get online. They'll get on internet service like this and they'll mock this kind of preaching and they're they're writing the letter but they won't sign their name. Moving on, Proverbs 15, 33. Proverbs 15, 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. And what he's saying here before honor is humility. Humility is submission to learning. I say this evening it is the first and foremost responsibility of parents to teach their children the basic foundational truths of life. It's our job to teach them what's right and what's wrong. This is a book of absolutes. 
It's not a changing book. It is a fixed book. It is eternal. It's our job to teach them the fear of the Lord. It's our job to teach them that God is the creator and God is the sustainer of all that's in this world. It's our job to teach our children character. It's our job to teach our children proper behavior. It's our job to teach our children obedience to authority. It's our job to teach our children respect for self and for others. As you read the Word of God, you find it's obvious that there were those who taught what I refer to as professions as Nehemiah went into the city of Jerusalem and the walls were broken down. And all the various groups of people from the time they began to clean up the rubble to the time they mixed the mortar and began to lay the bricks until the musicians began to play and the singers began to sing and all of those in between and the teachers began to teach and the, and the readers began to read. It's obvious that there are many folks that influenced their life and taught them vocation and training and skills and there are many folks involved but it was the parents that had the responsibility of teaching them the basics of life they're public school teachers here tonight they know the difficulty of trying to teach a child that has no respect for authority they know the difficulty of trying to teach children that do not know that when they, when they go into a classroom and an adult is speaking they're supposed to be quiet you and I those my age we're taught you go in the building you take your hat off Go into a building and if there's two seats and you're sitting and a friend is sitting in those seats, a lady comes into the room, you know, you're supposed to stand up and let a lady have that seat. You and I lived in a day when someone came to a door and we opened the door. Today you want to shock somebody, open a door for them. They'll look at you like, man, where in the world did you come from? Hmm? You know, it's true. You say, I wish we could get back to those days. We can in our house. You say, oh, but it's so hard in this day. It was hard for Noah, but he raised his boys to serve God. Not an easy task. I love the simple statements about Noah. He was a person of righteousness, and therefore he was a parent of righteousness, and therefore he was a preacher of righteousness. I'll give you these references, and I'm finished. Psalm 78 they were supposed to so teach their children that they would set their hope in God. I'm thankful for work, jobs, careers, income. I don't care what your career, what your job is, what your income, what your money is. Your hope is not to be set in those things. Our hope is to be set in God. I was reading recently the things that were born in the 1930s that most likely will not happen in this day of difficulty. There were no bailouts in the 1930s. No bailouts. But you know what there was? There were fellows that recognized opportunity and hard work. I'm not going to preach another sermon. I'm going to give you these verses and finish. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. He that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Proverbs 19, 18, Chasten thy son while there's hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. We become a soft nation, a soft people.
we tell folks stop crying not because it's hurting them but, but it bothers us. My, my father would rather hear me cry getting a whipping is hear me cry having to pay for sin. Hearing me, hearing me cry because he was giving me a good whipping with a belt didn't bother him near as bad as a cry he'd heard from those that had lived in sin and had to pay the price of the sin. And he would tell me, son, you learned to obey me. You don't, I, I won't have to have fear about you obeying authority or a police officer or somebody that's there to protect and help you. Ecclesiastes 12.1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt have no pleasure in them. Isaiah 28.9, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Who is it to teach our children? It's you, Mom. It's you, Dad. You and I need to know the Word of God so we can teach the Word of God. Isaiah 54, 13, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Matthew 19, Then there were brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked them. And you know the story. Boy, did they ever get in trouble. They said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Stand with me tonight. Third John chapter 1, verse number 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. When you hear someone say, Our nation is hurting because... Our kids are not in school. I understand some element of that. But I want to tell you something. The extra time I've had to be at home with my children this year has been a wonderful time. Don't you ever let somebody make you feel inferior because you're doing your best to give your children the best Christian quality education that you can give them. 